Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. one more time and thank him for who he is would you do that lift your hands and lift your voices to heaven let's pray and ask the lord to touch us and anoint us lord we love you today god we thank you for your mercy lord for allowing us to be here one more time we thank you jesus we thank you jesus thank you jesus thankful that we don't have to just come here just to show up, we're able to feel the power of the Holy Ghost. There's so many gatherings that will probably happen throughout today across this country. All of them will just be empty. It will amount to nothing. But we have been able to come into already, just in the first few moments of this service, into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I ask you to join me this morning in the book of Joshua. Very familiar passage of scripture. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be reading quite lengthy. Verses 1 through 8. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou, and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even... Unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee. Nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people... Shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them? Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. In verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein 
For then, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so for just a moment this morning, and very simply, I want to talk to you about the keys to biblical success. The keys to biblical success. Can we pray one more time and just ask the Lord to anoint this already anointed word to our hearts and help us, Lord, to receive. God, we love you. And God, it is nothing less than an absolute privilege that you have given us to be in this place, this very moment. I'm asking you, Lord, to take this word. God, I feel that you have given to me and help me, Lord, to deliver it in the way that you would have. God, I'm asking you to touch our hearts together, bind us together with one heart, one mind, one goal, and one purpose, and that is to hear from you and your word. Anoint us now together, and we'll be careful to praise you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Recently, in just the past few weeks, we've had a change in leadership in our country. I'm not here to advocate or to make that anything other than what it is. It's just a leadership change. The platform that was used to make that happen was to make America great again, to make us winners again. That's what he said. We're going to win. Now, I'm not here to be political and certainly not trying to advocate for one party or another, but the fact of the matter is is that we all want to win. You can see that even now today, and if you look back through the annals of human history, especially just within our own confines of society, there are a myriad of stories and accounts of human drive and ambition because simply people want to win. They want to be successful. It seems as though that is deeply ingrained into the fabric of who we are. It's a desire to succeed. We hear about them all the time, success stories about how men and women have made themselves seemingly into something in our modern-day society. Now, there are certainly exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, we really want to win. You can see this played out in life all around us, no matter the setting. You can see as men climb the corporate ladder. You can see as men jockey for position in dog-eat-dog societies and in cutthroat office settings. It happens. We see it, and we can discount that as something that just happens in the world, or we can really take note of that, and we can really take it to heart, because it's an age-old pursuit. We want to make it. We want to prosper. No one wants to live in squalor, and no one wants to live with less. We all want more. We all want it, whatever it will be, and no one wants less of it, and we all long for it. We all 
all attain to something. We are all pursuing after something. And whether we want to admit it or not, we are all after something. Now that in and of itself is not a bad thing. You know, the desire to live in in good things, to have good things, the desire for that is not wrong. And I'm certainly not preaching in the onset against that because the fact of the matter is is because we are descendants of two people that were given absolute goodness. They were given everything that they needed. And even that, that they wanted. He told them that you will live here and I will surround you in my glory. I will make you into a protected place. But for some reason, there was something else that they were looking for. And that caused them to lose out with God. But that desire is still in man. That desire to be in a state of happiness or a state of, of, of not having any problem. It's still, it is still in us. It still resides in us. And so we all desire success. But it depends on how you define that success. And it really matters what you count is riches. It matters what you hold dear, and it matters what you place value on, and it matters, hear me today, it matters how you get that. The world would define riches and success and equate that to things and money. It would equate that to houses and cars and lands and everything that you can accumulate, the clothes upon your back, what name you're wearing and things of that nature. That's how the world would equate success and that's how the world would say we are successful. But I believe here today that real success is not found in any banking system. Real success is not found in any toy or anything that you can accumulate. Real success cannot be found in stuff. In fact, I don't even want to discuss that anymore today what the world calls prosperity and what the world calls riches and what the world calls success. In fact, I don't even want to talk about what some of the church world calls success and prosperity. I want to talk about real success and a real desire to succeed in this life in the way that we really can make it. To be the best that we can be in everything that we do, but not by the world's standard of measurement. Because the only measurement and the only accurate assessment that can be made must be sought out and it must be found within the walls of this book and it will be the only thing that will judge men and it is the word of God. We read Joshua 1 through 8. We could read that and go home. Everything we need to know is right there. The word is the only place that we will find real and absolute success. It will be the only measuring stick that will definitively define what is right and what is wrong. And so what are those keys to success? I believe that first and foremost, I desire must be channeled in the right direction and it must be fixed upon the right thing. And I think it goes without saying I've already said it, but I believe that that must first and foremost be rooted in the word of God. Let's talk about that for a minute. The word of God. Before time 
ever began to exist, before there was ever light to light a path for any man, before there was ever air to breathe into our lungs, there was one thing. It was the Word. The Bible says that in the beginning God created heaven and earth, and he did that by his word. He spoke it. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He created heaven, and he created earth with his very word. He spoke it, and it simply became what it would be, and it never ceased to be. You see, God has always considered speaking the way that he would communicate with his people and with his creation. He formed that man from the dust of the field and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And from that moment, he has sought one thing and one thing only, and that is communion and communication with that creation. We know this because the Bible says that he would commune with Adam in the cool of the day. And so that very statement tells me that there is only one thing that God is, 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 is wanting from us, and that is relationship. It's never changed. It never quit being that way from the first breath. Even until this very moment, God desires one thing from us, and that is relationship. But hear me. The only way that that formula can work, the only way that it can come into fruition and do what it is supposed to do, that desire must be reciprocated. We must desire him, and we must desire him as much as he desires us. And hear me, that will result in a relationship. When we allow that relationship to bud and to grow and to cultivate into something, something very special begins to happen. You see, God has always chosen to speak. And when we take that relationship and allow it to bud and to grow, God will begin to speak. And hear me, if he, if he will speak, we must listen. If we will listen to him, and I know this is very simple, and I promise you we're going to get along here in just a minute, but if we listen to him, something very special begins to happen. He will tell us what we are supposed to do. He will tell us everything that we need to know, and he will do that through his voice and through his word. He's spoken audibly to men. He's given his voice to them, and he's spoken through prophets of old. But the main thing that we have today is this precious written word. Second Peter 1 and 21, he says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They spoke the words, they were transcribed, and they were given birth to things that we have in this book today. This is going to be our primary focus today. I'm not going to move off of this. Perhaps we'll get a little bit deeper in a minute, but this word is worth more than gold. This word is worth more than silver. The, the, the People say that if I hold this in my hand, I hold the world at my fingertips. I've got the world at my fingertips, but if I hold this, I've got the creator of the world in my hand. And if I'll open it up and let him speak to me through it, he can speak into my life and tell me what I need to do. Holy men of God spake 
as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But don't let that word old fool you. That's not, that's not saying that it's old and outdated. No, this word was sure then and it is still sure now. Just because it was written over 2,000 years ago does not mean that its truths are antiquated or outdated. In fact, here, right now, today, they hold more truth than they ever have. They hold more foundation than they ever have. We can look around and we can see the words of this book that was written so many years ago begin to come into fruition and begin to be fulfilled at an alarming rate. This book holds more than it, than it ever would be worth to measure with, with silver or gold. The things that the prophets desired to look into, the, the prophets desired to see are coming to pass just now as we speak. His word, it was sure then. It was secure then. It was without reproach then. And hear me today, it's still secure. It is still secure and it's still without reproach. It is still infallible. It is still eternal and it's still undisputed. There is absolutely nothing on earth that could take the place of this book. Hebrews 4 and 12, this is what Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said about the word. This is from the Amplified. He said, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of breath, of life, soul, and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow and of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing the judgments, the very thoughts and the purposes of the heart. This is what Paul told Timothy coming from the same version in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. He said, every scripture is God-breathed and is given by his inspiration and is profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action. That's a mouthful, but that's what the word can do. Every Scripture. This is what Paul was saying to Timothy at that moment. Timothy, if you're going to do anything in this world, if you're going to make it in this world, if you're going to get anything out of anything, you're going to have to make it, Timothy, but you're going to have to make it according to this book. If you're going to do anything for God, Timothy, you better do it according to the word. Paul summed up his explanation to him about this end time. That's what he was talking about when he told him that perilous times would come. And I'm telling you that we are in those perilous times. He said that men would love themselves more than they would love God. He told him to hold tight, hold tight to the word because idolatry would be rampant and they would live their lives in lasciviousness and lewdness. He told him that people would become liars. They would would become thieves. They would lack natural affections and give themselves over to unhealthy lifestyles. He warned him of a time that men would be profane and that they would be abusive. They would be treacherous and they would be callous and relentless in their dealings. Yet he ends that discourse with a very, 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 
very pointed statement. He said that they would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power of it. He told him, Timothy, you better turn away from that. You better flee away from that sort of mindset. He told him that they would appear to be right. They would have some sort of truth in their life. They would look like they had something going for them, but they would deny the power of God and that they were just thieves trying to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, Timothy, if you're going to do this, you better do it according to this book. You better look into this book. You better get involved in this book and you better fall out of love with anything in the world. Don't involve yourselves with such as that. Turn away from it and turn to the very thing that will judge men, the word of God. The very thing that can save your life, the word of God. We are living in those perilous times and we better get involved with the word of God. Paul spoke of something else that we should involve ourselves in. The preached word of God. He said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's what we're doing here right now. Might seem foolish to some as some man stands over a desk and spits and screams and hollers. But I'm telling you, it's the word of God. It's the foolishness of preaching that will save us. I'm telling you that preaching will save us. It is the express word of God spoken to man in, in, in preaching. It too would provide instruction and warning. And with that would afford the opportunity to turn your life around. It affords an opportunity to change your course and walk in a right direction. Preaching can speak into your life and preaching can speak things out of your life. I'm telling you that it will preach. Preaching will save us and we cannot live without the preached word of God. We can't go without it. We can't live without it. Preaching will increase our faith. In God. Romans 10, 14 through 7. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So faith... So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I'm telling you that when we expose ourselves to sound biblical doctrinal preaching, we afford ourselves the opportunity to hear a direct word from God. I believe that he speaks in the book, and I believe that he can speak out of the book. He won't violate his word, but that's what that Rima word is. He said, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Rima of God. It is the Rima word. It is a specific 
word. I don't know about you, but I've sat in services before where it seemed as if God just parted the waters and began to move people out of the way and speak directly into my life. I'm telling you that I would not be here today if it were not for preaching. I would not be standing behind this desk if it were not for preaching. I'm telling you that when we expose ourselves to the word of God, to the written word, and to the preached word, God can save us through it. It doesn't do any good just to come here. We can't just show up. There's a lot of power in just showing up. But there's more to it than that. We've got to expose ourselves. We've got to open ourselves up and let God speak. His word can fall on deaf ears. Oh, yes, they can. But his word can fall into fertile ground if you'll let it. His word can fall into fertile ground if you'll let it and bear fruit that is only worthy for him. We must come with an open heart. We must show up, not just to show up, but open and receptive with a made-up mind that today I'm going to hear a word from God. I'm going to hear a word from God. I come expecting it. I come knowing it in my mind that I'm going to hear from God. When that happens, the same thing that happened in creation can happen in us. Earth without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. Nothing was there. It was empty. But God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. I'm telling you that if he can speak to a ball of mud and call out trees, if he can speak to a ball of mud and bring out grass that would make that would reproduce itself if he could speak into that ball of mud and say see render up those fish earth render up those cattle what could happen if we come into the presence of God and allow his spirit to move and then let his word speak there's no telling what he can call out of us there's no telling what he can speak into us it's the creative power of God But hear me, it cannot be just one time. It's got to be habitual. It's got to be frequent that we allow God to speak into our lives. We need to have an intimate relationship with the written and the preached word of God. And then we have to take that and we have to do something with it. We have to meditate and study and ponder. It is incumbent upon each one of us to ingest the word of God. No longer are we in some middle age, dark age where only one man held the book and we were subject to whatever they said, whatever they did. That's what started the whole Protestant revolution. Uh, Reformation. We are not out of the Protestants. Please don't get me wrong. We are out of the book of Acts. We go back to the source. 
But that's what started the whole thing when they began. And I, and I, please, 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 I'm fixing to say something and I don't mean this offensive, but when the Catholic Church began to formulate themselves, they took, they took this word out of the hands of the people and they just kept it into the priests and they didn't let anybody have their hands on it so they could control them and tell them whatever they wanted them to do. But I'm telling you that somebody, somebody said, no, I've got to have my hands on that word. I've got to put my hands on it. I've got to put my eyes on it. And that's what caused people to come out of that. Now, now, not all of them went back to the book of Acts. I'm thankful that we have men that went back to the book. I'm glad that I that we have men that went back and got a revelation of who he is and gave us the whole counsel of God. But we, we individually have to put ourselves in the word and put the word in us. He told Ezekiel, eat these rolls. He told John to eat these rolls. We have to ingest it. We can't go without food. Our bodies can't live without food. And so just that same connotation, our spirit cannot live without this word. We've got to ingest the word. And sometimes, sometimes it will be bitter in our belly, but it will be sweet in our mouth. You see, we've got to ingest the word, whether it's, whether it's correction or whether it's building us up. We've got to ingest the word. It may hurt sometimes. It may sting sometimes, but we've got to eat this word. We've got to put this word on the inside and let it do something in our lives. The bitter the bitter and the sweet and I'm hurrying but every scripture every scripture not just some but every scripture is profitable every scripture is suitable and every scripture is relevant to you and in your life we must spend time with it we must allow it to mold us and make us into the people that we have been called to be Psalm 1 and 1 through 6 David said so emphatically blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight his delight his pleasure is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and here is the result and he he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I'm telling you, that's success. That is real success. We must fall in love with the word. David said his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's the way that we are going to succeed. It's the only way that we are going to know him for who he really is. The word in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I am so thankful 
that that word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth I read a story not too long ago and I've shared it here but I felt like sharing it again I can't guarantee the authenticity of the story but my goodness the principle that is in it is astounding the year was 1898 and a man named Ben had left the eight years ago and he went out west in hopes of making his fortune he wasn't rich but he accumulated over 300 acres of land and built a comfortable farmhouse on it he grew wheat his corn his vegetables he managed to build his cattle to over 200 head in those times in 1800s that was quite an accomplishment but having accomplished this he decided that that really wasn't putting the the meat on him he needed just a little bit more so he put an ad in a paper back east and soon he began to receive letters from a lady named Molly and they created quite a penmanship pen pal sort of thing together and they began to write each other and quickly that turned into love for each other and so now here he stands in a Kansas City train station awaiting her arrival and when that train stopped and all those women began to get off the train he shouted Molly over here she turned and walked toward him and held out her hand and he held it for a minute and she said how did you know who I was he held those letters up and he said from these letters she said, but I didn't put any pictures in those letters. He said, yeah, yeah, there's pictures in them. There's pictures in your words. I read about you. I studied every word. I know what you look like now. I know who you are. I'm telling you that if we'll get in this book. <laughs> If we'll just get in this book, it will reveal the treasure that we all need, and it's Jesus himself. It will reveal what he is and who he is, and it will reveal what we must do in our lives. You see, when we fall in love with his word, his laws are not grievous to us. When we fall in love with his word, he can tell us what to do and we're going to listen and we're going to be obedient. If we'll fall in love with the word, you see, he's our example in all things. He didn't just walk the earth for something to do. He didn't just robe himself in flesh because he got tired of heaven, but he had something to do. He had an accomplishment to make, and he had an example to set. He was obedient. And so if he was obedient, how much more should we be obedient to the word? He was obedient. He was obedient, even unto the death of the cross. And so I'm hastening, I'm hastening to a close. We're going back to Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. God told Joshua, be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all the law 
which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper, prosper, whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then, then, and only then thou shalt have good success. Here we find the children of Israel on the edge of the promised land. Deuteronomy has ended with Moses' death and the succession of Joshua taking over as spiritual leader of the people. Now the main theme the book of Joshua is passing the torch of leadership from Moses to Joshua and allowing another generation of Israelites to claim their prize that their parents squandered through disobedience. The main character himself, Joshua, can be summed up into one word, obedience. Even in the midst of seemingly disobedient people, Joshua remained Obedient. God commanded, Joshua listened, and Joshua obeyed. It's simple, I know, but God commanded, Joshua listened, and Joshua obeyed. I'm here to tell you today that the only way that we are going to make it through this life and have real success, not what the world calls success, but what God calls success is for God to speak, for God to command, for us to listen, and for us to obey. And when they did that, when they kept the covenant, they received miracle after miracle and victory after victory. But sadly, when they were not keeping the covenant, they, re- they received death and they receive loss at a catastrophic rate. But hear me, God was always faithful. He never changed. Whether they did what they were supposed to or not, God never changed. His word stayed the same. And when they obeyed the word, they received the blessing. But when they disobeyed, they received death in loss. Hear me today that when I tell you that God, God has already given us His Word. And He's already given us the instructions on which to obtain absolute success and absolute prosperity. Jesus said in His Sermon on the Mount, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I have not come to destroy, I've come to fulfill. I've come to fulfill the law, the law that the Jews referred to as the Torah and that some early Christians referred to as the Pentateuch is the five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, I have come to fulfill the law. In particular, in particular, Deuteronomy 6, 3 through 5. Hear, O Israel, Hear, O Israel. He said, Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of our fathers has 
promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy might. He said, I have not come to destroy, but I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets from Sinai to the cross. Jesus lived, he breathed, he kept, and he became obedient to the law. He became obedient to the law among seemingly disobedient people. He was obedient, following his own commandments and brought to pass the fulfillment of the law all by himself. It all culminated into the finished work on Calvary and it prepared his apostles to spread the message to the world. It became, and it's still today, fulfilled promises. It became, and it is still today, finished work and a new covenant paid with a high price and a commandment that must be obeyed. We all know this, but I feel, I feel that we need to hold on to this with everything that we have. Everything that he bled and died for culminated into one exchange and disposition. Acts 1 and 1, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And to the, into the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost here it had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, you shall receive power after that Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm thankful today that they did not just discount that, but they did obey that command. They did tarry in the city of Jerusalem and in that upper room. And the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. They were obeying the command and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. We know that this was noised abroad. We know that they began to come together in some mocked. We know that some doubted and some asked questions but I'm thankful for a man that had obeyed the command. I'm thankful for a man that had spent some time in this book. I'm thankful for a man that said, these are not drunk as ye suppose, being this the third hour of the day. But this is that 
that was spoken by the prophet. I'm telling you, that was the fulfillment of the prophets. He obeyed the law. He carried out the law in his death, but in his resurrection, in his pouring out of his spirit, is everything that the prophets pointed to. It all culminated into that moment. In the in those next few verses, he preached Jesus' death burial and his resurrection and when the Bible says they were pricked in their heart they asked the age old question men and brethren what shall we do what can we do to make this right what can we do to get beyond this moment and then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost here me that was not a request but that was commandment to obedience to commandment that's the way it's supposed to go commandment to obedience and then we command again repent and be baptized in Jesus name for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost repentance baptism in his name and the evidence of uh, the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues is the essential keys to a successful life <laughs> the only way that you can live for God <laughs> the only way that you can live for God is to be baptized in his name and filled with his precious spirit. It's everything that Jesus bled and died for and it culminated into that very moment of time. But hear me, once the word is given, once the word is given, now the burden of whether it will be obeyed comes off of the shoulders of the speaker and lays onto the shoulders of the hearer because the Bible says that when they gladly received his word, they were baptized and the same day were added about 3,000 souls. Hear me today. Those were successful people. Goes on to say that they gave up everything they had. This doesn't matter to me anymore. I've attained everything I need to have. I'm going to stick with this now. I'm going to pull this into the fabric of my life and I'm going to live by it. But hear me, hear me, hear me. The, 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 the thing that comes out of that, God has already poured out his spirit and he's going to continue to pour it out. But once it's poured out, once the word is given, now, now, the, 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 now, the responsibility lies upon the hearer. And so I promise I'm coming to a close if our musicians will come and I apologize. The other day I heard heard an ad on the radio. I'd already began to kind of meditate on this and work on this and I heard something on the radio that caught my attention and that doesn't normally happen because usually when I drive down the road I'm zoned out. Pay attention to, you know, people in front of me but that other stuff is just in the background. We talk about success in this world. A lot of people hey, measure that by what we can attain and what we can get and how much we can have of it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you hear all the time there's, there's ways of, you know, making more money. There's ways of doing this and doing that. You can supplement your income with this and this and that and this and that and this and that. And teaching you how to sell things to make more money for yourself. But really and truly, they're selling you. You're not selling anything. But I heard something. It's called a disclaimer. 
Typically, disclaimers come at the end, and they're so fast, so fast, so fast, you can't even hear it. But I don't know how I heard it, but I heard it. It was before the radio ad, and the radio ad doesn't matter. That's not anything, but it was one of those get-rich-quick schemes, you know, flip houses, whatever. You can do this and make a million dollars and quit work and move to the Bahamas and all this kind of stuff, which is a pipe dream because they're the ones that are living in the Bahamas. You're still going to be living in O'Brien and Hatchpen. But it said this, and I don't mean to make this more than what it really is, but it said this, and it just, it just, I just heard it. It said, earnings vary based on individual effort. Earnings vary based on individual effort. Now, I don't advocate pyramid schemes and get-rich-quick schemes and things of that nature, but a plan was presented. That's what they were doing. They were presenting a plan for you to follow. And you could just just live in, in just lavish lifestyles with this. But so fast, nobody could hear it. Earnings vary based on your effort. We're going to give you the plan. But what you do with it is up to you. How you work at that plan, that's up to you. What you get out of that plan is what you're going to put into that plan. And so, there again, I don't want to make this more than what it really is, but God has already given us a plan. God has already given us the keys to success. And it's not found in cars, it's not found in houses, it's not found in lands, but it's found in this precious book that I hold in my hand. We hold the keys to eternal salvation. We hold the keys to eternal life. And earnings that we get from that and what we get out of it will absolutely be what we put into it. Hear me today. True success is this and this alone. If you love me, keep my commandments. I'll give you everything you need. I'll provide everything that you're going to need now and in the future until I come for you. But if you love me, if you really want success, keep my commandments. Hear me today. This is the only way that we are going to succeed. Acts 2.38 is the only thing that is going to carry us into the next the next dispensation of time. And hear me, we are coming into some perilous times. We're already there. But I promise you, if your faith hasn't already been tested, it will be tested. I believe that God is telling us now in the 21st century what he told Joshua all the way back then. Joshua, there simply is no alternative. God did not request that Joshua simply choose an option that would better suit his situation. He did not give him a map contained with several alternatives that would get him into a final destination. God did not tell Joshua to simply interpret the law to fit his lifestyle or his mood for any given moment. He told him, I've given you the law. Now you get in it. You meditate in it 
day and night. I'm telling you, it's the same law that was written by the finger of God on Mount Sinai. It's the same law that Jesus walked and fulfilled on this earth. And it is those very commandments that is going to get us from this life until the next life. He said, and I promise you, I'm closing, I promise you, in fact, if you'll stand together, please, let's stand together. He said, this is serious, Joshua. This is serious, and you only have one choice if you're going to make it. You got to read it. You got to study it. You got to be obedient to it. And you got to teach it to your children. He said, it can't depart out of your mouth. Don't stop talking about it. Don't let the world press you down. You see, I'm going to put you in some houses that you didn't build. And I'm going to take you into some places and you're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. See, life is going to be easy for the most part, Joshua. You're going to have some battles that you're going to have to fight. But I'm going to put you in a, 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 a situation that would make it easy for you to go aside to the left or to the right. God could see in the future that they weren't going to drive everyone out. And so there were still going to be some lingering things that they were going to have to deal with. But he said, Joshua, keep my commandments. Stay in my word. Stay in the law because the word was here before you ever got here. The word was here before you ever came onto the scene. And the word will be here when you're gone and you're dead. And there's somebody else that's going to pick that up and take it with them. You better not let it pass from your mouth. You better not let it come out of your life. You better hold fast to everything that I've told you. It's a mandate and we've got to obey the commandments. Can we lift our hands this morning? Can we lift our voices this morning? Would you ask the Lord to touch him, to touch you? God, nothing less. We want nothing less, Lord, than your word. We want nothing less, Lord Jesus, than your mandate. We want nothing less, Lord God, than your will in our lives. We need you today, Lord. We need you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.